Joseph had to walk, and Mary probably rode a donkey on their way to Bethlehem. Now, many of us are on a quest to hear the voice of God in our lives. And perhaps one of the reasons many of us do not hear God's voice clearly is because God knows that if he spoke to us, he would just be wasting his time. God does not hold conversations without giving correctives or directives. I wish I had somebody to say amen. Not only is each directive expected to be carried out, but God also expects us to endure all of the challenges that accompany any assignment that God gives to us. Now, Mary's pregnancy was the product of a promise. God initiated the promise. Mary was not praying to be used by God. She was not praying that God would choose her to be a vessel. She did not petition God for a special assignment. She was not on a fast so that God would use her. The only thing that we know that Mary was doing is that Mary was living right. If some of us are trying to have some special spiritual qualifications in order for God to draft us into his service. But let me just make it simple for us. The best way for God to pick you out, to use you, is to simply be living right. She was not one with an uh, with apparent leadership potential. Nothing about Mary uh, basically shone out or, or, or we could see that showed that she had some great qualities about her. She was just living right. She was not a prospective prophetess or preacher. The only thing Mary was doing as a young lady, she was simply doing the right thing with the life that she had. My brothers and sisters, God is not looking for the especially and the extraordinarily gifted. God can take care of the gifts. Can I get a witness? Uh, you don't have to bring anything to God for God to bring everything to you. You can come just like you are as an empty vessel. But I want you to know that God is a full fountain. And whatever you lack when it comes to the assignment, or this, I heard somebody say, where God sends, he also Supplies, amen. And whatever it is that you need, God will give it to you. Mary lets us know that the criteria for God using us is not intelligence, but integrity, not charisma, but character, not public popularity, but private prayer, not showmanship, but a commitment to render service to others. God promised Mary that she would give birth to a son and the son would be the savior of the world. Everybody wants their child to be somebody special. But here God drops in on Mary and says, you're going to give birth to a son and your son is going to be the savior of the world. Brothers and sisters, the world needed saving and the world still needs to be saved right now. 
Why? Because the world is a sinful place. One does not have to read many uh, headlines in the newspaper. You don't have to read many front pages. You don't have to uh, read what is being trended on uh, the Internet. You don't have to read the covers of a magazine to know that the world is a sinful place. Uh, all you have to do is hear the names of Sandusky or Fine or Ginger White or Kane or, or David Stern messing with my basketball schedules, amen, or, or Nancy Grace to remind us that the world is a sinful place. Now, my brothers and sisters, we've gotten a little tricky because we've gotten a little more educated, and we don't like to use the word sin any longer. Uh, but, but you call it what you want to call it. Uh, uh, wrong is wrong. Yeah. Evil is evil, and sin is sin. But it is not just the men and women that flash across the pages of our newspapers, our magazines, the tabloids, or the Internet. It's not just the people whose faces we recognize because of their entertainment value. You don't have to go any further than a mirror to know that the world is a sinful place. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You don't have to read a commentary about the failures of somebody else's life to know that the world is a sinful place. All you have to do is stand in a mirror and be honest with yourself. If you're honest with yourself, you'll have to confess that there's some stuff in me that should have been out of me a long time ago. That's why I like the words of the late uh, Michael Jackson that said, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. Can I get a witness? Now, there's a problem. There's a problem with that song, just a little problem. Take a look at yourself and make a change. You see, the world cannot shake its sinfulness. In other words, what I'm trying to say, that by myself, I cannot change myself. Oh, I wish I had somebody in here who understood what I was, what I'm talking about. Do you, is anybody in here honest enough? I know you've been saved a long time. I know you've been walking with the Lord a long time. I know you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you have separated and sanctified yourself from the things of the world and all that is good. But is there anybody here who's honest enough to admit that you watched a movie starring Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence that the name of it was Life? Anybody in here saw the, honest enough to say, I did watch Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy in the movie Life. Well, there was a character in the movie Life who played baseball. He could play baseball very well. And the name of that character was Can't Get Right. That was his name, Can't Get Right. And when I, every time I hear the name of the character Can't Get Right, it reminds me of me. Because when I think about that and I think about my own life, if I'm honest about it, there's some things in my life that I recognized in my childhood that I wanted to get out of my life. But if I'm honest about it. I have worked on it. I have prayed on it. I have read the Bible on it. I've talked to people about it. But if I'm honest about it, some of that same stuff that was with me in the first grade is with me right now. And because in my own power, I cannot get right. In order for me to get right, God sent his son uh, uh, to get me right. And the only way for me to be right is to receive the righteousness of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. In my own flesh, uh, I messed up. Come on now. In my own flesh dwells no good thing and except for the grace of God 
I would be nothing. And so what God has done, God devised a plan to deliver us from the world of sin. The birth of Jesus is the opening act of the drama to deliver us from sin. The rest of the drama will play itself out over the course of 33 years and it will climax on the cross on Calvary where Jesus would be crucified after living a, sin, a sinless life. Now God promised Mary that she would deliver a deliverer. In other words, Jesus would make a statement during his ministry that is found in John chapter 14 verse 6 that says, I am the way the truth, and the life. Now, this may mess with you a little bit because you may be a syncretist and believe that it's many roads to God. But Jesus tried to clarify this for his disciples. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what Jesus is saying, if you want to get to God, I'm the only train that's traveling in that direction that will hit the destination. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he tells Mary, as the drama begins, you will give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Now, I want to ask you a question, my brothers and sisters. What sin grips you and will not let you go? Is it pride? Is it gluttony? Is it greed? Is it jealousy or envy or is it an inability to forgive it does not matter because the only way out and it is through Jesus Christ the only road to freedom the only way to be freed and delivered from the bondage of sin is for Jesus to deliver us now as this story unfolds a, a powerful point comes off the pages of scripture God's promises, somebody say God's promises, come with small print. Yeah. God's promises always come with some small print. Now, whenever God gives an assignment, that assignment, first of all, has the potential of disrupting your entire life. First of all, God's promises will require hard decisions about your family. In other words, when God comes and promises to use you in a certain way, it's going to have some impact on your family life. I wish I had somebody say amen. When Joseph heard about Mary's assignment, Joseph, the Bible says, thought seriously about divorcing Mary before he had even married her. Now, Joseph and Mary were engaged. Engagement is not the time when we ought to be thinking about divorce. Engagement is the time of our relationship where we're supposed to be thinking about our long-range plans and the beauty and the joy of spending our lives with each other and planning our futures. But my brothers and sisters, if a joker is thinking about divorcing you and he ain't even married you yet... What do you think he's going to think once he does marry you? Yeah, engagement does not bring along the pressures, but marriage will interrupt your pleasant life 
with some unexpected events that will turn your bliss upside down. Y'all acting like I'm preaching to this ceramic up here, but I know I'm right about that. And here's Joseph after he has heard the divine assignment and he's considering to divorce his wife. The news was so emotionally devastating to Joseph that he just wanted to get out of it quietly. But God would not allow him to do that. Wanted to leave, but God would not let him. So it's very easy for us to see the tension that uh, the pregnancy created between Mary and Joseph. Now, just write this down. Doing the will of God will test the strength of your family. Doing the will of God will test the strength of your family. God's promise will force an interruption in your personal plan for your life. Now, Joseph and Mary certainly had a plan. God shows up, and, it's, and Mary is suddenly pregnant, pregnant, and when it is time to deliver the baby, she and her husband have to walk from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, brothers, we can't speak about this personally. But there are few women in the house who have given birth to a child. Just wave your hand in the air if you've given birth to a child. Yeah, few hands, giving birth to a child. Now, there are some women who boast that their entire pregnancy was a wonderful experience. Yeah, they, they, they never, never had any morning sickness. They, they, they never had any physical discomforts. They did not have any extraordinary cravings. Uh, they, they, they didn't even know, they didn't even look pregnant until they were in the seventh month. Their stomach was still flat. They were about seven. They just, just had a beautiful experience. But there are a few women who've been pregnant. That from the day they got pregnant, they were throw, throwing up in the morning. Can I, can I get a witness? They, they, they craved all kind of crazy foods. Um, there's pressure uh, and hormonal changes and all kinds of stuff. Can't wear your clothes. Can't get cute like I'm used to being cute. I'm putting on weight. I, my ankles are getting big. My wrists are bigger than they used to. My face is blowing up. Uh, there, there are some women that, that would admit that pregnancy was a challenge. And here is Mary in the last month of her pregnancy, and I want you to note this, in the last month of her pregnancy, and she has to travel 80 miles on a donkey from Nazareth to Judea. Now, it'd be one thing if she had a, a, a car, one thing if she had a Benz, one thing if she had a BMW. But here she is, has to ride a donkey when every 15 minutes that, that baby pressing upon her bladder is going to cause her to have to, come on now back is hurting yeah all kinds of discomfort but here she is having her life she didn't sign up to ride a donkey from uh, Nazareth to Judea but somehow in God's plan he had infused discomfort in the assignment that he had given to her my brothers and sisters let me tell you there are some things that you're not going to be able to pray out of your life because God is using the difficulty and the discomfort in order to get you to the place that he's trying to get you 
And sometimes when God assigns us, instead of the picture looking better, the picture starts looking worse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, you get serious about God, you start walking with God. Instead of things brightening up, things sometimes get darker. And here, as I begin to close, God's promise will unfold in a manger and not in a motel. Now, when they arrive into the districts of Judea, to this town of Bethlehem, the unthinkable happens. Before they can register for the census, Sister Flowers, Mary's water breaks. She goes into labor. It is time for her to give birth to the baby. Joseph is frantically looking for a place for them to lodge in order for the baby to be born. And the one motel that's within distance has a sign on the side, on the outside of it that says no vacancies. Now, I am sure that Joseph verified whether or not there was a space in the motel by asking and pleading with the manager as to whether or not he can make provision for him and his wife whose water has broken and she's ready to give birth to the child. But the manager insists there are no vacancies. But let me say something, my brothers and sisters. Whenever there's a sign on the outside of the hotel that says no vacancy, it simply means there's no vacancy for some people. Do you really believe if Donald Trump had pulled up in front of that same motel that somehow that manager would not have been able to find a room in his motel for Donald Trump? Are you trying to tell me that if Bill Gates had pulled up in front of the motel and said I need a room for the night that the manager would have concluded that there's no space. No vacancy means there's no room for some people. If you're not somebody who can advance my cause, advance my purpose, uh, market my motel, there's no room for you. Yeah, yeah. And what happens in the world in which we live? People are rejected because they don't have the same pedigree as I wish I had somebody knew what I'm talking about. They don't have the same pedigree. They don't have the same bloodline. They don't have the same visibility. But all I want you to do right now, if somebody is rejecting you because of, of who you are, don't you believe the rejection for one minute. You see, when somebody else is saying no, God is saying yes. God is saying, I got something different and better and more majestic and miraculous. You don't let yourself get frustrated by when folks say no to you. Are you with me? God is still in the plan. So here, here, let me show you how it unfolds. Mary, look at this, had to have her baby outdoors. And then place her baby in a manger. Now, mangers are popular around this time of year. They become very sanitized because they are symbols of the Christmas celebration, but they are not the authentic items that were used. 
You see, we don't use feeding troughs anymore in, in our context, but they used to be around everywhere. They were the, 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 the very instrument that you used to put the drink or the food for an animal in. Now, Mary had to place her baby. First, she had to have the baby outdoors, and then she had to place her baby in a feeding trough. Now, y'all don't really catch this, but the Bible says this was her firstborn child. Now, the, the way parenting works, that as you have children, as you move from the first to the second to the third to the fourth and on down the line, what the way you manage the first child is not going to be the same way you manage the next. Now, see, the first child that comes into the world, oh, the mother <laughs> is so careful with the first child. Oh, she doesn't want anything around the first child. She doesn't want anything to touch the first child. You come rolling up into the house, talking about let me hold him. Oh, no, 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 no. He's getting ready to take his nap. You can't hold right now if you haven't washed your hands put on a gown put some stuff on your feet you're not gonna bother with the first child let me tell you they think that they tend to think that their child was the only child that has ever been born in this world that's just the mindset that you have when it's the first, but the second child, shoot, he gonna be in the trough, he gonna be in the barn, or he crying, well, let him cry, he'll be all right. <laughs> Some brother said, oh, you had another baby? I didn't even know you had another one, yeah. This was the first, and here it is. Her first child, women, you can identify with me, right? I mean, her first one, she has to summon the courage to lay her first child in a trough in order for him to sleep. But let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. That would have broken a whole lot of us, and we would have quit God right then. You see, because we would have still be thinking about the fact that the man rejected us from coming into the motel. But you see, my brothers and sisters, sometimes we're desiring to be in the motel when God is in the manger. <laughs> I wish I had, yeah. We are longing and praying and asking God, God, why me and why couldn't I go to the motel and why does my child have to be out here when God is in the manger? And you see what happens Sometimes you will desire the motel, but the only option God is going to give you is the manger. Jeremiah, Amos, Moses, David, here's Mary, Jesus, all signed up to do God's will and found themselves backed into a corner where unpleasant circumstances were the only options. And it was an ugly option, but God was in the manger. The motel looks better than the manger. But God is in the manger. There are a lot of things in life that look better than God's way. But God is in the manger. Premarital sex feels better than celibacy. But God is in the celibacy. Spending sprees feel better than saving and sowing into the kingdom. But God is in stewardship and sowing into the kingdom. Uh, staying just where we are, not moving, not growing, feels more comfortable than stepping outside of our comfort zone. But how many people know that God is in the step of faith, not in sitting in a comfort zone? 
And sometimes it makes perfect sense rationally to stay where we are when God is trying to move us into another space. Mary and the manger were both instruments of God's salvation. So I'm closing now. Salvation is the story of God choosing the rejected. First, God chooses that which no one else wants. Salvation is the story of God using the rejected. God uses that that no one else will use. And salvation is the story of God wooing the rejected. Back in 1995, 94-95, Tom Hanks played in a movie titled Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump was about an unintelligent man who loved unconditionally a girl named Jenny. From the time Forrest was a little boy, Forrest experienced nothing but rejection. He was rejected on the school bus as an elementary child. He was rejected in high school. He was rejected in college as an adult. He made his overtures and made his purposes known to Jenny, but she rejected him. And when the only time Jenny embraced Forrest's love is when everyone else had left her and there were no more choices but Forrest. When she became sick, it was Forrest who took her in and loved her and gave her what he was trying to, be given, trying to give her all of his life. When she came to his house, he never corrected her, never condemned her, never critiqued her, never gave her instructions as to how to live in the future. He just offered her unconditional love. Now, in her former life, all of these other things looked much better than Forrest. All her other boyfriends looked better, looked like better options than Forrest. Her lifestyle looked like a better option than being with Forrest. Forrest was not intelligent. He was not snazzy. He didn't have any swag. But she came to understand that if life was to be fulfilled, she needed to choose that which other people were rejecting. And that's what God did in Jesus Christ. While the world today does not understand him, the world today cannot embrace him. We will even celebrate throughout this world a Christmas that does not put Jesus at the center. Uh, yes, we will hear about Black Friday. We will hear about all kinds of things. But Christmas is about a baby that was born in a manger that was on his way to a cross to, to be crucified to save us from our sins. And his name will not be mentioned in the celebration. But there ought to be two or three people in the world that will not forget the one that Christmas is all about. Ought to be two or three people that know that the reason he was born in a manger was to save me from my sins. Ought to be some people who can testify even right now that I am a better person. I've been in a better place. God has done more with my life because of what was in the manger and not in the motel. And while the world 
is seeking symbolically and metaphorically the motels of this world. God is in the manger. He's in the manger. There's salvation. And here's the thing. Everything you thought you needed, everything you thought was in the hotel, is lying. In the manger. Don't let your boss fool you. Don't let your peers fool you. Everything you need. And that's why God told the shepherds when they heard the angels singing, he said, behold, today is born to you in the city of David, a savior. And you shall find, look at here, you shall find the babe wrapped in clothes. Now, naturally, if God had stopped there, when they got to Bethlehem, the first place they would have gone is to the motel. But said, no, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. He's going to be wrapped and in a manger. And he will save you from your sins. Stand to your feet. The attraction of the world is very powerful. It is very easy to have a Christless Christmas.